Hello and a very warm welcome back to your Friendly Widow podcast. You're here with me, that's Rosie Gilmoss, and joining me I have the alive husband. Jonathan Gilmoss with his dulcet northern tones. That was so close to being smooth until I nearly interrupted you halfway through. That's all right. Slick, slick man. So yes, the dynamic duo are back in our seats again. And I wanted, before we went any further actually, just to thank some of the listeners who reached out because we did put out quite a a raw episode and gave a little bit of an insight into our own personal lives Mm -hmm. and the response was overwhelmingly kind and supportive and so many people and I'm thinking Dan Frost so like men reaching out to support you and there was of course the message claiming that you are now the favoured voice of the podcast no 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 no. it was rapidly catching up well slow down slow down I can but try I've got one. This is this is my this is my purpose. Is the speaking? You can't take that. You do the tech. <laughs> cool by me. Sorry, I was just having a drink of water because I forgot we're recording. So our laptops aren't open. Um. So yes, thank you. And uh, we've had we've had half term since I think we last put anything out. Yeah. And we have just the kids went back to school today. So, yeah, I, get, I think a lot of you were just embarking on your half terms if you've got school-aged children, so Godspeed. Um, I think this one is the bleakest, February yeah, half term. Because there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. We had one lovely sunny day, and that happened to be the day we went down to Suffolk. Yeah. So we did have a nice day on the beach, and I saved a starfish, just throwing that out there. Um, I say on the beach, we walked along it. <laughs> there was no seaside activities. It was <laughs> bloody freezing. It's February, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really tricky one because if you have sort of kids that are still in that puppy age where they do need running around, it's one thing taking them out at Easter when it hopefully is good and decent weather, but to go out, uh, well, actually Tabby and I got soaked to the underpants with mud. We went to Jimmy's farm in <laughs> Suffolk. She excitedly ran towards the animals and slipped and sort of sat there completely in shock, covered in mud. I tried to be a hero and go and get her. And I could just feel the slow motion of the fall. And I thought to myself, and this is an indication of what happens when you get past 40, don't try and save yourself. You'll only do more harm than good. This could be the fall. I Ac- keep talking about my fall, don't I? Accept that you're going to be at one with the mud. And so I was. And we walked around the whole of the farm coated in mud. I was not my best self, if I'm honest. And um, I then had to strip down at the car park. But there you go. That's That's a mildly entertaining anecdote that has nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> welcome to Half Term. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Half Term. <laughs> welcome to Half Term. So this is going to be episode 96, which I think is quite something uh, that we have managed to show up and sit down in front of the microphones 96 times. In fact, it's longer because we have some in the can ready to go out. Mm. Well, you have showed up 96 times. I'm probably halfway Well, I think that sometimes I had to be encouraged down to the office and and to record and I definitely couldn't have done it without you and I also couldn't have done it without the reminders of what we're doing because I think it's quite easy to forget but we do we do the recordings and they go out and we don't really have any idea who's listening and um I prefer to stay away from the figures because it'll stress me out and when we first launched obviously all your friends listen don't they and you get in constant feedback but we Within our sort of personal circles, we don't get so much. But what I am getting more of is messages from people who have found us. Mm. Or oh, people are sending the podcast to, yeah. to them saying this is good. Yeah, that, yeah, and this is it. And it's 
it's really, I suppose it's kind of, it makes you feel good. It does to know that through something really, really shit happening, you're able to use your experience that you really didn't want to get um, to help somebody who might be floundering in those first, you know, those first horrible, not chicken and wine. Uh, well, the initial shock. Yeah, the, sorry. The my, initial, I lost the ability to speak then. Yeah, the, uh, when the, you know, when the world's been pulled away from you, mm. like, it, you know, we said if we'd have found like a resource like this, um, yeah. just tapped into the stories that are similar to yours to start with. But then as you go through the rest of the stories, you see the group, the, the, the grouping and the way and yeah. the, the similarities. And the arc, John, I just really wanted to say the arc, like the arc. Yes. yeah, the arc, because everybody that comes on here has gone through a process and they have made a choice. And I think, I, I may have said this before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, it's hard to be completely original, 96 episodes. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I really thought that we would be appealing to the people who were perhaps four or five years plus into the into their grief. And whilst they have obviously listened, um, uh, we've also found that a lot of people very early on have have come to it because it does offer some hope. It, and really, you just need a little glimmer of hope in those early days, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and we've we've learned a lot as well from listening to all your stories. I certainly oh have edited God, them. so much. Um, You've never seen a grown man crying whilst trying to edit a video. <laughs> um, and yes, Dan, yours did stick quite heavily in me. So uh, yeah, that was a, that, that yeah. was a, I don't want to say good episode because it's, oh, it's about a, a rough part of your life, but you know, when you. An important episode. Yeah. yeah. When, when you express your emotions and, and how you're feeling and, and what it feels like to be in that area. Yeah. And um, also that you're, I'm thinking, you know, for you as a man, that you don't know anybody else personally whose wife has died from cancer, no. not in our inner circle. Um, it does seem that men die quicker. Uh, and also, I think perhaps we're better at creating networks, women, I mean. Um, oh, men are rubbish at that. So for you to then hear an episode that is has so many parallels to your experience, it must make you feel less alone. So thank you to everybody who is recommending us and for everybody that's, that is still listening to us, 96... 96. <laughs> 96 episodes in. Which leads me seamlessly to the fact that we are approaching 100 episodes. We are. Four episodes time, which... That's oh, not the reason we've slowed down the releases, by the way. That's just circumstance. Yeah, and, and but we are planning to take the pressure off ourselves a little and perhaps put out one every other week um, after we've done the 100 episodes because it is a... Um, it is challenging actually to live with walk somebody through their grief and mm. I think I wouldn't be human if it didn't take some degree of toll on on me emotionally yep. and actually I would like to do some other things as well alongside it I'll always be a widow and I will always care so deeply about the network I've created and I'm no no plans to stop doing this no. I will stop when you guys stop listening or sharing your stories it it goes on as long as you want me to but, and it's really difficult to broach this subject, actually, but we have made a choice that we've not put advertising on it. And at the time, we, we hand on heart, had no idea how big it would be. So we stand by that commitment. We're not going to put adverts on people's stories. stories. Um, however, we are going to look into putting some on the, these episodes, the chatty episodes, because I like to think of the last year as a kind of an apprenticeship and learning a new skill and it's been a an honor a pleasure a huge privilege to be able to do this 
But I just didn't want you guys to suddenly tune in and find that we've stuck um, advertising on and for it to be a bit of a jolt to you. Uh, I wanted to explain why. Um, but yeah, even the hosting platforms, the platforms we use to distribute, they all cost money. Yeah. And it, there does come a point where we have to think, okay, at some point we've got, it's becoming, well, I don't want to call it a job because like I say, it is an honour, but it, it's, nobody would expect us to work for free, I don't think. As, especially as the as, as the workload increases. Yes, and it has increased. And we, to be honest, if you told me I was still going to be doing this a year's time back last January, I would have been very, very surprised. But I love it. I love meeting in inverted commas all of you. And I'm, I, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. I feel like I'm doing my good advice speech. <laughs> we should maybe save this for episode 100, maybe. Yeah, shall I shut up? I'm joking. I'm joking. Shall I shut up? Um, well, anyway, so what I'm saying is as we um, approach the the end of our uh, of our centennial episode, we're going to um, we're going to kind of celebrate what, what we have achieved here. And by we, I mean everybody who's been on the podcast, not just John and I. So um, prepare for some big emotions, probably coming from me, because... I think the magnitude of what we've done here is dawning on me that, mm-hmm. you know, to consistently put out 100 episodes talking about, um, you know, sharing these stories that haven't really got a platform. I think I'm going, I'm not very good at giving myself uh, credit, but actually I'm proud of myself for doing it because I'm, I've always struggled with sticking at things yep. and you know, I've managed to get plenty of good jobs, but have not managed to retain many. And so this this kind of seed that we've nurtured um, into something really quite special. So anyway, I've, I realise that this probably would be better contained in the, the 100th episode. But um, what can you do if the brain wants to tell you what the brain wants to tell you and the mouth obeys? Exactly. And that's the beauty of this podcast is <laughs> um, you get what you're given. And I think the uh, subheading for my personal podcast is going to be the contents of a scattered mind, which is a little bit of plagiarism <laughs> from Gay, blah, 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 um, which is a book about ADHD for anybody that's not as much of a nerd on these things as me. As me. Right. So instead of galloping four weeks ahead, I'm going to drag you guys back into the present and just talk a little bit about Leah's episode, which went out last Monday. So it's Analia, but I kind of know her as Leah because, uh, as we discussed in the episode, we were members, and still are members, of the Hot Young Widows Club. Mm-hmm. It's not called that anymore. It's the group formerly attractive middle-aged, middle-aged widows now. Like yeah, there. we move with the times. And as you, the regular listeners will know, we all joined the group around 2018, and the group was subsequently closed. So it's a quite a small community of people and we've all been on a similar trajectory so we're all hitting six years around yeah. this year and it's meant that I know people on a very superficial level but I have a real fondness and affection for every member of this group because you've watched them you know climb out you've watched them get knocked back down again and, and so it, every time I get to speak to one of the members of this group it does feel a, a little bit special actually and uh, this episode was no no exception. Um, now, the, there was a couple of points that I, I thought would be quite interesting to talk about today. Um, and for, for you, John, I feel like I'm going to pack some of you. <laughs> she, her and Steve were childhood sweethearts. Yeah. And it made me think about you and Sarah 
Because you guys were really young when you met, we weren't were, you? We were quite close. I was 21, she was 17. Do not judge me. I met her in a nightclub. She said she was 18. I think that. I think that's okay. When I was 17, my boyfriend was 28. <coughs> he had told me he was 23 and only confessed when we flew out to my parents, who was living in Russia at the time, and had to do, um, obviously had to give his date of birth. And oh, wow. that's how my parents found out that he was not 23. That was Darren, by the way, if anybody knows me that well. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about, because about the idea of growing up with somebody and then losing them before their time, because you've been part of everything that they've gone through because 17 through to 37, mm. gosh, that's a long time to be with someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I it was uh, 20 years, one month and one day. It's the same. The, the, the times and dates are burned into your mind. Um, mm. And, you know, as I was talking about in, in my counselling session, we always seem to do these straight after my counselling. Oh, we've both been counselling today, um, a couple that counsels together. We were talking about, you know, that I uh, I was with Sarah all the way. She went to, off to university. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, like, I had full-time salary job with the university crowd. I used to drive to Liverpool every weekend on the M62 and then off the M62 and back onto the M62. For the ones who know, you know. <laughs> um, and I'm just looking really blank. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I'll drive you at one time. It's, it's weird because you stay on the M62 never come off it. Because, anyway. That is not an like, um, I might take you to the M62. <laughs> Jesus, you took me to Italy on our first date. Yeah, how is how the how the, how the mighty have fallen, eh? Um, and then, I, you know, I, uh, leaving university, and as she left university and came back from Liverpool to sunny Darfield, which nothing happens much in Darfield, she then got into selling houses. Um, I was then working for Watchfinder. Um, they were getting busy. I was from my bedroom, and I'm like, shall we move to Maidstone? And we literally came down, um, Stu put us up in the Hilton, which was fancy. <laughs> it's not even a Hilton anymore, but it was fancy. We went out absolutely so drunk, had a great night. Woke up the next morning, drove around Kings Hill, went, this is a bit Stretford Wives, and then found a flat, put an offer on the flat that day. Wow. Went up, back up north, put the house up for sale, completed on the flat and sold the house, completed on the same day, and then moved down to Maidstone. Um, and her, I remember her dad like, yeah, you two are crazy. I actually didn't know that. Did you? No. So I get to learn things on the podcast about you oh. too. Um, I like that, that you just made a real spare of the moment decision. There was, there was nothing happening up north. Um, and, you know, sometimes you've got to move to, to do it. And, you know, what I find was interesting, it was, it was very early days. Um, and they, I think they just moved from like a tiny office into what became the HQ for, well, as long as I was there, they they got rid of it as I um, quit. I've just got to say, though, you do make buying and selling property sound incredibly easy. It's not. <laughs> as, you've that, se- as you've seen. Oh, God, don't, don't. <laughs> we, we, oh, have it, yes. There's a re... <coughs> um, sorry, I have a really horrible cough, yeah. so I apologise for the coughing. I'm just through. recoiling in horror across the other side of the table. Also, that there's a slight... Um, is irony the right word? I want to be doing Alanis Morissette here, but that you looked at a house in Kings Hill, which is five minutes from where we live. Yes. That's nuts, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the weird thing is that the, the pub that is next door to is the Swan. And that's where we had all the company meetings towards the the, the end of it. You know, 
you know, the Reesmont lot would fly in and we'd take them there. Well, it's, it's, there's a lot of business. Business. Stuff, there's a lot the of business stuff in there. Lots of business, lots of clipboards and gilets. Um, but what I was actually talking to with my counsellor was about Sarah's dad. Mm. Because he, not very quickly, but over the space of three or four years, probably when she went through university, um, he sort of became my surrogate dad. Mm. Uh, and we'd do the thing, we'd go out for uh, beers and we wouldn't just go out for beers, we'd go out for beers. And I have stories, but they're not for public. Oh, I know, one of the stories. It's gross. Um, and then, you know, we, because we struggled so hard to try and have a baby, then we eventually got Holly, but four weeks before Holly was born, um, he died from the same thing that killed Sarah. Mm. Um, and I remember, I, I now recognise what I felt after that, which was grief. But I didn't recognise, it just felt everything was a bit lonely and a bit empty. And I could never really understand what it was, but now I understand what it was. Yeah, because you pro- presumably would have been, um, your primary focus would have been supporting Sarah through losing her dad yeah. and the fact that there was a new baby imminent. And we actually, it's something that does come up and it's not feeling that you are entitled to feel the grief. Yes. And actually, oh God, look at that. I wasn't even planning to talk about <laughs> this. It's just, it's coming to me on the spot. But you hear this sometimes, oh, I, I'm not, it's like you don't feel entitled to grieve. Well, sometimes shit just really hurts, right? Yeah. And it doesn't... I... So somebody I knew died from back back home died not that long ago. And I keep seeing, I see, thinking I see her at places and stuff. Yeah. Now, we weren't close anymore, but... But you, you were you, close. But, and you can't explain why, why grief will hit you in the way it does. Mm. Um, and I actually... I think this idea of uh, hierarchical grief is really wrong because, you know, some siblings will feel the grief far more strongly than a spouse. Mm. Some friends will feel it far more strongly than a parent. You know, it it depends on what your and I'm saying family in in the, in the loosest of terms because for a lot of people, their friends or their in laws or their step parents or they they are actually the the centre of their family. Mm. But the difference with widowed grief. Mm. It, the grief element is the same, but all your plans have gone as well. Oh yeah, and they, that 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 particular element yeah. of it, when you hook it into the grief, is what smashes us to bits. Absolutely. And I spoke to a really nice young woman. Um, oh, gosh, I think it was only this week, maybe Friday. I can't remember that they all blur a bit when half terms on. And shit, they didn't have children. And I, I was talking to her about you know the kind of idea, and I'm guilty of this, where I you know if somebody didn't have children you sort of assume that their loss was not as enormous. I I feel very, uh, I don't like saying that. Having now spoken to a lot of people who don't have children and lost their person, I now realise that actually... Quite a lonely place to land. Yeah, it is. Because, and you haven't got the immediate distraction that our children, because they don't give you, (laughs) you haven't got a chance to wallow. And also, um, how do you find your reason? Yeah, totally. And and I, I... I've really sort of, yeah, shifted how I feel, think about that. Um, and you're right, when it when it's a loss of a spouse or a, a, your life partner that you love, it yes, other people will be grieving, but for you, it is it's the loss of everything. It's not just the just I use that term loosely. The person, it's all the subsequent losses. And we talk a lot about the share keeper of the memories, yeah, and how you know you sometimes want to go. Oh, do you remember and they're not there. You can't. Yeah. 
So just to go back again into um, Analia's episode, she lost her husband suddenly. Um, he died in the house. She heard a very sudden thump and, and he was he was dead. And she recalled with this kind of crystalline recall, I used to say my twice, um, the timeline, the date and the hours, and it was between 12 and 2 that day. I can remember mm-hmm. her saying that. Yeah. And it's like burnt into her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, see, that doesn't always happen, does it? No. I can remember, I know the date, I know the approximate time. I could check the police report and get the, pro- the correct time. I yeah. Had the, I had the time tattooed on my arm. Yeah. Um. And it's, some people remember every second of that time. And other people, it's a complete blur. I'm a mix. I can remember the police knocking at the door. But after that, it gets a bit hazy. Yeah. Um, and the, the order of things and how long it took people to get to me and stuff. Um, but I think shock does does terrible things to, to your brain and to your to your memory, which I'm not entirely sure my short term memory's ever <laughs> but the, recovered. But, but that's the thing is you, you got the knock at the door and everything was everything changed like in a heartbeat. Whereas I got the call in the morning. We knew it was coming because we'd been told two weeks before. We didn't know when, but I got a call in the morning and then I had to sit and sitting and waiting for someone to pass. And would you say that, so you can't ask the question because I was sort of going to say, do you feel that you, it's less of a shock because you know it's happening and you've almost, this anticipatory grief has already begun. But I guess it's not a question you can really answer unless you've lost two spouses, one suddenly and one, and one slowly. One to the shock. No, I, 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 if I'm honest, wouldn't want the shock that you had uh, uh, because even even though I was expect even though we were expecting and waiting for it like when it happened it still shocked me anyway yeah but to have that and open the door and then suddenly that's it your life changed forever and there's nothing you can do about it um as opposed to sitting knowing your life's going to change at some point Probably this weekend. Yeah. So and there's of, nothing you can do about it. But I think the the punch in the gut, you have no time to prepare. And that will cause a trauma quite heavy. I think you're right. And, and I'm, as I'm listening to you say this, I'm thinking about, you know, and there's, we always, I don't know, you're sort of, but I didn't have to watch Ben suffer. You know, I didn't watch this big, strong man deteriorate. Um, but I think you're right. And I think, again, the the impact of just your life changing on a tuppence. Oh, that's an old-fashioned expression. On a, on a, I don't know, in a second, in literally a second, mm. the second or the five seconds it takes for them to ask you if you're the wife of or the husband of, yeah. you know that your life has, has ceased to exist as you know it. And I think that does leave a lasting impact. And it's really difficult when you're trying to survive all the additional stuff that goes with the sudden loss or any loss to to kind of remember that you suffered this enormous jolt in your reality. It yes. just shifted. So one of the treatments to help you get to this crux of this is, is um, I don't know, it's yeah. electronic ID, EDMR. I can never remember yeah. if it's EMDR, EDMR. And Lulu, our, my, my best friend and, and, and former co-host of the pod, she has um, been through this process and has been, you know, suggesting in fairly strong terms that I would benefit from it for quite some time. And I've, 
I've not been certain um, that I was quite strong enough because it can be, uh, you're going to revisit trauma. But I have decided I'm going to do it. And I have a, or at least I'm going to explore it. And I've got a face-to-face consultation with a therapist uh, Thursday. Thursday. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you guys along with me. Uh, not literally, because that would be really weird. Uh, and I'm not going to film it or anything like that. Uh, but what I am going to do is I'm going to, if I feel able to, I'm going to uh, talk to you about what went on. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how I'm, I didn't plan to do this, actually. I'm just dropping this on you in the middle of the right. episode. Um, and just kind of talk you through, yeah, what 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 happens, what it feels like, what how it feels like afterwards, um, what it costs. It, oh, I'm going to give you as much as I can because... I feel quite apprehensive about it. And I've been talking to Lula, but she did it several, well, she did it about seven years ago when her husband died. So yeah, I um, I think I'm going to, we're going to do this kind of together as it were. And I'll let you, you listeners um, know how I find it because yeah, the fear of the unknown is exactly that. It's a, a fear. And um, this is my year of conquering fears. So I'm going to put my camouflage and my wall paint on and go meet this therapist. I think when you get the first one done, you'll be... You'll yeah. Be and I think I'll know fairly instantly if it's something I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm going in uh, hoping that... Hope, yeah, with the anticipation that we're going to start the process, but I'm also prepared to not start the process if she feels it will be detrimental. Yeah. Because you have to be quite gentle with your fragile, broken heart. Don't you? Yeah, mm. yeah, you do. You do. I have only one more thing to tell you, and that is I have had the proof through for the Woodstock tickets, and they are beautiful. Um, we've got a couple of tweaks to make. We've got, John has got, to set up the ticketing website. Mm. And as soon as that's done, which we're hoping to do by the end of this month, Woodstock tickets will be available. And for those of you who have missed it on Instagram, I am modelling our first little piece of merchandise. It's a very sexy sun visor. You'll have to ask John why that was the first piece of merchandise you won. That was just the first one that came through. We have hoodies, we have um, short hoodies, we have notebooks, we have... And we've got loads of different price ranges as well because Mm. we're aware that for many of you out there, well, in the current economic climate anyway, but for a lot of widowed people, finances are difficult. So what we're not trying to do is flog you sort of 70 quid T-shirts. We're going to try and keep keep the costs as low as we possibly can. But, you know, I refer to... I'll be honest, I'll be honest. uh, Everything that's going to come out first is print on demand. Yeah. Once we see what you guys like and buy, then we'll hold stock. We can bring the prices down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, we don't want to be stuck with a lot of hoodies that no one wants. So we'll try many different designs. And then when we find the ones that sell, we'll, we'll get them made and, and we hold stock. we are going to need a couple of you to volunteer yourselves to be models. If we have a massive influx, we'll, we'll draw people at random. But um, And I'm not – I'm talking, you know, if you've got a body – you can wear our clothes, right? Yeah. But you, it's, yeah. there's not. We're not. Um, we're not looking for Kate Moss here. Uh, although, if anybody, if she's listening, um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we never know. <laughs> if, if, is there anyone famous listening? <laughs> oh my god, that was such a witch's castle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I will leave you on that note. Um, keep listening, please. Keep sh- spreading the word, and we'll be back with you. Um, we'll put out an episode on Monday, which will be episode ninety-seven. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.